The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Let's go, Lakers! Let's go! Ah, whatever that was that Anthony Davis I think it's did. cocaine, but cocaine. I, don't know. I like it. That's what we'll need in the NBA Finals, baby. Let's go. everybody to the lakers legacy podcast where come back kids come back just kidding come back next year the real comeback is the 10-year journey the lakers as a franchise have taken to get back to this point back to the nba finals and back we are as the 2019-20 los angeles lakers have just beaten the Denver Nuggets 117 to 107 for their third straight gentleman sweep in this playoffs to make it back to the NBA Finals after six seasons of not even having been to the playoffs prior. But here we are, and what a glorious feeling. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm loving it. Andy, did I do it right this time? You got it right this time. Oh, hey, there you go. Man, well, welcome back, Andy. The last time I had you on was last week, right after the Game 1 win. And here we are a week later. The Lakers are back in the finals. That's amazing. How are you feeling? <laughs> I couldn't really sleep last night just thinking about the matchups, uh, the potential matchups. But I think we all kind of expected we'd be here. It's just a different feeling that it's actually happening. Right. It, it it hits you very differently. But man, what a game. LeBron James went uh, Black Mamba mode there in the fourth quarter. My voice just cracked because <laughs> I haven't really gotten any sleep either. I've just been so excited. But as, as everybody's been saying, the job ain't finished. Glad the guys got to celebrate last night. This journey isn't promised to you, as LeBron James said. I think they have the day off today. But yeah, we're going to revel in it in this episode and just, uh, yeah, just talk about the journey that it's taken to get to this point. And what a tough five-game series this has been. I was wrong. Uh, I'll just say that much. In terms of my confidence last week, it waned throughout the week just seeing how good Jamal Murray has been. Let me ask you this. You know, me and Andy are both uh, fantasy basketball aficionados. But next year, I don't remember where Jamal Murray landed. I'm sure he was in the first round somewhere. But has Jamal Murray's stock risen so highly in your eyes that he's like a top eight sort of guy to pick in fantasy um i think he's probably gonna be top 10 yeah so mm-hmm. top eight i think would be around there i, I mean i i still got i still got this guy <laughs> that is a good guy is a good guy to to be in the top eight but it's crazy just how good jamal murray has 
improved his stock and I think just grown as a player to the point where I was like, how did we, I feel like we, we faced Damian Lillard and James Harden and this guy we have no answers for right now. I mean, obviously a lot of that is due to the fact that Dame and James Harden did not have a guy like Jokic next to them that allowed them to play more freely. But I mean, the fact that J- Jamal Murray's what under 23 or something like that is, is pretty insane. But was this series a little bit harder to get through in your eyes. I mean, we had like 15 point leads in almost every game, it feels like, outside of that one loss. But I mean, the comeback kids, right? They came back in each one of those and the results were different for them. But w- was this the toughest series in your in your eyes for the Lakers? Um, I still thought the, the Houston series was a little more challenging mm-hmm. just because we had to really slim down to like an eight man rotation. Um, but, you know, this series, it, it had different challenges, you know, with with the Joker, we had the answer. And I think we were, our mindset was probably going in, you know, if we limit one of those two, then we should be good. So it, as long as we had Joker under control, Murray could do whatever he wanted. I don't think it was going to really matter much. Mm-hmm. And how did we have the Joker under control, Andy? Oh, I mean, the big guys stepped up, most, most notably Dwight. I mean, he just, he handled them you know, mentally, physically, and it was just, it was impressive. I'm glad that he got his shot to kind of redeem himself. Uh, I don't know how much he's going to play next series, but if and when we do win this championship, we'll be able to look back and say <laughs> Dwight was able to contribute, you know, in the Western Conference Finals. Oh, huge. I, I said it on Twitter, but it's crazy that 2020 Orlando Dwight is better than 2009 Orlando Dwight in in different respects, right? Oh, Obviously, yeah. in his prime, 2009 Dwight was Defensive Player of the Year, led his team to the finals. But this Dwight is like the more mature, like understands his role, understood what Kobe told him back when he was a Laker. It's just like, hey, you're going to be my Tyson Chandler, just run, pick a roll, play defense. He did not like that back then. But now that he's gone through the rigors of the NBA and just his own personal issues that he had to deal with, like him just buying into this role and playing it perfectly was just, uh, it, it is very redemptive. And it, what's funny is that he had that one play, probably in this entire uh, series, one play in the third quarter where they gave him like a post up. And he, mm-hmm. he dribbled like one, two, three dribble and then did like a hook shot. And there was like, there you go, Dwight. We'll feed you. <laughs> we'll feed. We'll give you that one. So I'm yeah. glad he was able to have that. But, you know, just looking at this Lakers team, it's crazy to see like right down the roster. Dwight Howard is back in the finals in Orlando for the first time since 2009 when he went to the finals with the Magic. Rajon Rondo is back in the finals for the first time since he was a Celtic back in 2010. But now he's a Laker. Danny Green is back in the finals for two straight years in a row. <laughs> Last year, he was with the Raptors. Quinn Cook. This is Quinn Cook's third straight finals <laughs> appearance. That's crazy. JaVale McGee, third finals. His one gap was with the Lakers last year, obviously. And with regards to our coaching staff, the last time assistant coach Jason Kidd was in the NBA finals was 2011 against LeBron James. Hmm. Uh, we, I think we were actually rooting for Jason Kidd at the time and the Mavericks. But now... Uh, Jason Kidd, LeBron James are both on the same team as assistant coach and player respectively, and now we root for both of them. So I think just the narratives involved with this team is pretty interesting, Uh, not the least of which LeBron James, this is his outside of that gap last year. Out of the last 10 years, this is his ninth time in the finals, which uh, I mean, just that's just nuts to think about. And this is his first time doing it 
in the Western Conference Finals. So what are your thoughts on that and LeBron James just, you know, after the horrendous first year, that failure to launch year one with the Lakers, and then everything that's happened this year with, like, Kobe's death and just COVID and then the, the gap, just him leading this team to the finals and, and what that feels like. And is it weird to you, given the fact that we did used to hate LeBron just, you know, maybe like four years ago? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you said it. It's it's kind of the trend, you know, for, for LeBron. If you think back when he originally left the Cavs, it took him his second year to win the championship. And then when he left the Heat, it took him his second year to win the championship with the Cavs. So if he continues this trend in his <laughs> second year with the Lakers, we will win the championship. All right. I like how that sounds. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about this game. Did you have a... Well, first, let's, let's since we're on LeBron James, talk about his performance at the end there where, you know, the last few games, he has not looked good at all in the fourth quarters. Decision-making was way off taking all these jump shots but not doing it confidently and the Nuggets were almost treating him like Russell Westbrook and he was falling into that trap just bricking a ton of jump shots and but tonight he was like all right if you're gonna give me that shot I'm gonna step into it and take it confidently and then I'll take different types of jump shots I think he had one where he went into the paint and did a little Kobe fadeaway turnaround which is more in line of like the types of jump shots that LeBron makes instead of like the dribble pull up facing forward but overall like he hit that three at the end as well I think he had a seven point stretch in the fourth quarter where he really helped us stem the tide and get control of this game but it's very much a Mamba mentality sort of closing for for LeBron James and he had a triple double a 38 point triple double 16 rebounds, 10 assists, only two turnovers, 38 points, 15 of 25 from the field. Yeah, just your thoughts on LeBron James closing this game for us and getting us the series win. Yeah, not that he needs the confidence booster, but I think it it does, even for the greats, it kind of gives you a little lift, um, knowing that offensively you can close out games just by making buckets. You know, traditionally he's a playmaker and I think throughout the series, he's been able to make those passes, make those plays. But just last night, seeing him able to get the ball in the bucket, um, I think it's it's a, a little confidence booster for him. I think his teammates see that too, and the energy just feeds off of everyone. So I think it's uh, great timing leading into the finals for him to be able to kind of show his, his moxie and, and be able to close things out. I think this is only the second or third time that LeBron James has played 40 minutes. So they've kept his minutes under control. And, you know, we were waiting for when is playoff LeBron going to come come through, you know, like revenge Bron. And he came through in this last game and we needed him the most. And so it's it's very essential that the Lakers, in spite of how much they struggle to maintain leads the last few games, still won in spite of LeBron James playing pretty poorly in the second half because you just knew all right, if we can win and LeBron James hasn't come through yet, it's only a matter of time. And this is what happened this game, right. and thank God. You know, Anthony Davis, you look at his line, it looks pedestrian. 27 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals. But he hit two very timely threes. I don't know if you remember the plays exactly. But when the Nuggets <laughs> tied it... So one thing that I want to just point out. They always... I, I, I hate this comeback kid moniker by the time by the end of this series i was like can reggie miller stop saying comeback kid it's almost as tired as like the we over me grind over given clippers at this point 
And I feel like their comeback in this game was very much facilitated by the refs because the momentum completely flipped after they gave Dwight Howard that box out like flagrant mm. one. Paul Millsap got the free throw. I think they got like five points off of that one play and then momentum swung the other way. But regardless, the comeback kids did it again. They, <laughs> they tied it like 84-84 in the third. And then Anthony Davis hit a top-of-the-key three-pointer to get us up three, and I don't think we relinquished the lead from there. And then in the fourth quarter, he hit another top-of-the-key three-pointer that got us up 11 points, and he did this weird thing where he, like, smelled his finger. I was yeah. like, I don't know what that is, but, you know, I'll take it. <laughs> so it, the brow down there under his nose or whatever. But So he had two big three-pointers, but also he had one huge defensive play. Andy, can you describe it for me? Oh yeah, it was it was men at the top. I think it really put the stamp on the game. Um, looking at Michael Porter Jr.'s face as he <laughs> saw what he was going up against in the air, it was priceless. Oh, I mean, you just had to have that AD stop, and and it was a timely moment. Yeah, I feel like that block that could be like the the poster child of the series, right? It, it described the entire series for the Lakers and how dominant and physical they were. And, you know, it sucks for Michael Porter Jr. because in this day and age, the quality of the video whenever they slow-mo that, the Phantom Cam is so much crisper and clearer than back then. And it's just, <laughs> you just see every little frame of him trying, feeling confident, and then boom, 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 Anthony Davis, like, one of the cleanest blocks I've ever seen in my yeah. life. And there was no question. He absolutely denied and erased Michael Porter Jr.'s life there to the point where Michael Porter Jr., when he touched the ground, was somehow Jonte Porter, his brother, who I don't think has played <laughs> in the NBA yet. Anyways, um, great defensive play by Anthony Davis. Um, I really want, I want to talk to you really quick about your thoughts on Anthony Davis and LeBron James as a duo and as a pair. Obviously, this is their first year doing it. The fact that they've got into the finals in their first year is already kind of ridiculous to think about. What What are your thoughts about about them as a duo, like in terms of where they stand historically? Obviously, the job isn't finished, et cetera, et cetera. But even just making it to the finals is pretty impressive. And even, I guess, with respect to the Lakers' past duos, could this be a historically great one if they're not already? Obviously, you take into account that LeBron James is already 35, so it may not last for too long, but where it stands right now, what are your thoughts on them? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it all throughout the season. It's a unique pairing, and I think it pairs really well. I think you traditionally see the big and small kind of duo, Shaq and Kobe, um, but you know, seeing LeBron, as you said, in his 35th year of age, being so dominant is very unique. You know, you don't really see that very often, and to have a young pairing in, in AD and a lot of people question, is this the best teammate he's ever had? Um, I think his career high in assists says yes. You know, I yes. think it's, it's a, it's, it's one to definitely talk about in terms of the pair. Um, and it's one that we've never seen before, especially in a Lakers Jersey. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I would, I would put them up there amongst the best, uh, one, two punches in the game of history. Yeah. So in, in my eyes, well, one, when Kobe and Shaq were coming up, the ages are sort of flip, right? Where LeBron James is as old as Shaq. And then Anthony Davis is like the younger coming up Kobe Bryant, kind of learning under LeBron James, but learning pretty fast and pretty well. 
in my eyes, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, in terms of the statistical output that they both are able to bring to the, to the table and in terms of the physicality and just force, they resemble more Kobe and Shaq to me, just in terms of their stats just bulge out at you, right? And you cannot deny how physically imposing they are. But when it comes to their chemistry and their personalities together and how well they mesh, it's more like Kobe and Pau to me, mm-hmm. you know, where they just Kobe and Pau just got along so well right from the start. They never had any of that Kobe and Shaq squabbles. Maybe it was because Kobe had already matured to the point where he's like, I'm clearly still the best player, but I'm willing to like bring this guy up. Definitely. Affirm yeah. him, et cetera, et cetera. He didn't have anything to prove where with Shaq, it was always always like, give me the ball more, you know? Um, yeah. So I feel like that's exactly how LeBron James is tailoring Anthony Davis to be. And even more so, right? Because when Kobe was with Powell, he was still pretty young and in his prime. He was like 28. Mm-hmm. LeBron James is already 35. So for him, it's even more so like, yeah, on most nights, I'm going di- to dictate where this team goes, and I'm probably still the best player. But if we're going to go anywhere, I need you to believe that you're the best player, especially on defense. And I feel like that's yeah. the way that LeBron James has approached things. And it's kind of just shows you how that has helped us all throughout these playoffs that we haven't been to the playoffs in a while, but we just went through three straight gentlemen sweeps. That's pretty rare to do. You know, usually you're going six, seven games in a series. And I just want to make sure we don't take that for granted. I mean, the last time we had a, a, a run as strong as this one was probably that 2001 run where we swept through the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. Um, so just crazy that a team that was assembled on the fly and had a gap in the season can go 4-1, 4-1, 4-1. Granted, the last series was a tougher 4-1, but just insane. And credit to LeBron James Anthony Davis, that duo, that pairing, and then obviously all of these redemption guys buying in, Dwight Howard, Rajon Rondo. It's crazy that all of their individual sort of redemption stories and whatever they're trying to prove for themselves kind of mesh together for the team's benefit, right? Usually that doesn't, that's not the case. But in this sense, whatever Rajon Rondo is out to prove, whatever Dwight's out to prove, even whatever J.R. Smith's out to prove, it seems like it's all culminating to help the team as a whole. So, um, before we take it to break, I'm kind of springing this on you, but have you thought about who Anthony Davis as a player reminds you of or what different combos of players he reminds you of at all? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, like, how far back are we looking? As far as you want to. I actually have, I feel like I've got a pretty good combo fusion in mind, but I just wanted to get your thoughts to see if you had one that you've been thinking about or or one that you could like come up with on the spot well i think uh, kind of in our era you kind of think of kg with the the body type he doesn't have that same um ferocity that kg had but Mm -hmm. uh he definitely had the game to to match kg didn't really shoot threes but um dominant in the post and when he wanted to be and dominant on the defensive end but uh, I'm curious to see or hear what what's your combo. No, KG is part of that combo. You know, KG had a seven foot five wingspan. Anthony Davis had a seven foot six wingspan. I'm pretty sure KG's won at least one Defensive Player of the Year award, right? I think so. He was a very stable and dynamic and dominant defensive player. And I think the other thing that makes them so similar is their propensity to shoot jump shots and be really good at it. 
And we're seeing that more and more with Anthony Davis, where it's like, yo, stop settling. Okay, you're going to keep making it. All right, that's kind of like Kevin Garnett, um, <laughs> especially in these playoffs. So Kevin Garnett, definitely a part of that mold. But then I was trying to figure out how, who else to combine with him with regards to how slithery he is when he puts the ball on the floor. And like the weird flip shots he puts up, even when his like whole body's flailing in the air and it doesn't look like you should leave your two feet like the way he does. And also, you know, including the three-point package a little bit. And I think I came up with Kevin Garnett and prime Anton Jameson. Ah, I like that. Right? Because Anton Jameson, if he was like seven feet, all these weird flip shots that he'd put up where it's like, why did you shoot that shot? Oh, it went in. Anton Jameson was a very fluid, slithery player, right? Who who put up quirky shots. And then obviously he made himself a better three-point shooter over the years too. And I feel like, I don't know if Anthony Davis is ever going to get to that two three-pointers made per game level, but he's already at like 1.4, right? So in that sense, that's where, that's the added part to the KG where the versatility and just uh, being able to make all of, sometimes it's annoying, right? Cause it's a little bit finesse, mm. but I mean, that's what makes Anthony Davis really good, right? Where he has this part to his game that I don't think KG had where he's playing like a guard or like a wing the way that Anton Jameson did. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, I agree. Cool. So with that said, we'll take it to our first break and when we return, we'll just close this show out, maybe talk a little bit more about this game and then look ahead to the finals the heat or the celtics oh my god all right we'll take it to break all right so we're back and uh some trivia for you andy who on this team currently in the playoffs do you think leads the team in three-point percentage or who would you say who would i say uh percentage no matter how many make or makes don't matter yeah makes don't matter is it Rondo? It is Rondo. So <laughs> for players playing at least uh, 10 minutes plus, Rajon Rondo leads the Lakers in this playoffs with a 44.8% three-point percentage. Wow. And actually, he's making 1.3 a game. So that's actually not even bad as well. Playoff Rondo, baby. And at this point, I like realistically speaking, who are you more confident at whenever they spot at for three? Rajon Rondo or Danny Green? Because for me, it's Rondo. Yeah. <laughs> No, Rondo has made some like fourth quarter threes, you know, and it's timely. Yes, when we need it the most. Uh, I know Danny had one late in the game last night, but I feel like huge. Rondo, he's he's got it in the bag. I don't know what it is. He like senses when we need this three yeah. and he hits it. It's crazy. I guess along the same lines of that, with regards to this game. Do you have, I mean, we already threw out some moments here and there, but do you have another moment that you'd consider like memorable or like something, a best play for you, whether it was offensive or defensive outside of the ones that we've already mentioned? There were so many big plays. Um, I think when, when Jokic got his fourth foul, I think that was huge because it's been a storyline throughout the playoffs, and I feel as though last game or last night's game, all of his fouls were unquestionably fouls. Yeah, and uh-huh. it wasn't it wasn't you know left up to the refs to decide. It was very blatant, and I think once he got that fourth foul, I was thinking, oh, this is it, you know. But then they somehow made a run without him. <laughs> so <laughs> um, with the refs' help, but with the refs' help, but yeah. What about you? 
And I think Dwight got that on him, actually. I think it was the the hook, right? Jokic yeah. did the hook on Dwight. But yeah, what's funny about that is like Jokic's first foul was so blatant where it was like the fast break. I was like, bro, you, why would you even why would you even do <laughs> that? Wasted uh, it. I know, wasted it. Um, I would say, you know, I already brought up like LeBron's turnaround fade in the paints in the fourth and then uh, Anthony Davis's timely threes. My two memorable plays that I want to bring up, there's a little bit of context to it, and it's two players. I would say Kyle Kuzma's three at the start of the fourth to get us up six points when we were struggling, and that was to start the fourth quarter off, Mm -hmm. mainly because, you know, you want to start that quarter off, and we had been sort of floundering, and we needed some sort of baseline level to keep us afloat, so I felt like that three was huge, and also because Kyle Kuzma was struggling this entire series, (laughs) let alone this game, right? And usually when Kyle Kuzma's not having a good offensive game, if he takes a shot like that late, that's not going in. You know, he <laughs> usually does not have the confidence. But that was a huge baseline three, you know, with Michael Porter Jr. like jumping at him and he nailed it. And that got us up six points. And from there, I felt like we had control of the game. So that's one of the reasons why and one of the guys that I want to point out. And then the other guy is what you mentioned. Danny Green's three in the fourth got us up seven points. And I bring him up mainly for the same reason that I bring Kyle Kuzma. These are two of the guys who have struggled the most offensively for this team in this series. And if we can get them along to the party offensively for the finals, that would be huge, especially in Danny Green's case. You know, he almost won finals MVP that one year with the Spurs. In Kyle Kuzma's case, regardless of whether or not we're facing the Heat or the Celtics, we're going to need a confident wing out there to like play good defense on Jason Tatum like he did in the regular season, but also on the other end, get back to doing what Kyle Kuzma likes to do, score the ball, but he hasn't been confident doing that, and hopefully that three helps ignite that in him. So those are my two memorable favorite plays in this game. Yeah, to close this game, do you have any other thoughts? I just want to shout out Caruso. He had like a mini run all by himself in the what was it, second quarter, where it was like fast break, fast break, cut, cut, cut. Caruso's getting all these reverse layups. I think he had like four straight reverse layups off a cut (laughs) from LeBron James. And then he had that like hammer dunk in transition. And he was just, yeah, he really helped us momentum-wise when that unit with just LeBron and Dwight and then role players was rolling in the second quarter to really extend that lead to like 15-plus. So I just want to shout out Caruso. Um, anything else you want to bring up with regards to this game that stood out to you? I think that wraps it up. It, you know, you mentioned earlier, everyone's kind of had their moments in the series. Uh, we we missed out on McGee, you know. Uh, we even got Taylor Horton Tucker with his, his knee to the face kind of thing. <laughs> but but it's, it's good to see everyone at least had a little shining moment, um, you know, in the series just to propel them into the finals. Uh, but yeah, I'm ready to get started. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. So let's talk about the potential players here. And obviously we are doing this, recording this prior to, uh, game six, right? Yeah. Game six, uh, the heat currently lead the Celtics three, two. So I've waffled back and forth on this. Obviously, narratively, the Celtics are the play here in terms of the rivalry between the two teams, the Lakers going for 17, the Celtics, I think, are at 17. I, I forget. But I guess, yeah, for you, like, matchup-wise, is it the Celtics still that you'd prefer, or is it the Heat at this point? Because we're seeing some things out of the Heat that, like, oh, Tyler Hero, what the hell is this? Um, <laughs> either way, I'll, I'll put it this way. Either way, this is definitely going to be the Lakers' toughest test. 
Yeah, I, I, I'd still prefer Boston. It makes it easier, I think, for everyone to really get up for the series, mm-hmm. even though we'll be favored. Uh, there's just so much more, like you said, narrative around it. The Heat, I think there are very interesting storylines as well, but mostly surrounding LeBron. You know, mm-hmm. it's not really the franchise kind of thing as much. Um, but matchup wise, I think the, the, the talent obviously is greater on, on the Celtics. I just don't want to get kind of like what you said into that trap of, of the heat kind of just locking us down and then throwing surprises at us like hero or something yeah. uh, because they got some scrappy players that kind of make me a little worried in terms of they can put bodies on LeBron mm-hmm. guys who are very familiar with LeBron. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't really have that answer for, for AD. I don't think Bam can really hold them. Yeah. Um, but it'll be, I think a lot more interesting playing the Celtics just because they have so much more talent and then the storylines behind it as well. Yeah, I agree. I think on both sides, they present interesting challenges for the heat. Narratively, it may work out in our favor because regardless of whether or not the franchise narrative is stronger with the Celtics, it's like the players on the Lakers, how much do they really care about that necessarily if they haven't been with the team that long? So it's almost like it's probably just Rondo, right? Where it's like, I fucking hate the Celtics, (laughs) you know, so it's like on Rondo's shoulders. But with LeBron, if it's the heat, LeBron is quite literally going to carry your team, right? So if he has that motivation, maybe that's kind of all you need against Spo and Pat Riley. Yeah. And Haslam's randomly still playing on that team. <laughs> but you bring up a good point about the Heat having guys who have played with LeBron or against LeBron before, namely Jay Crowder and then Andre Iguodala, who has experience even bodying LeBron up. And then Jimmy Butler's no slouch himself just as a scoring wing who can play both ends of the floor. Bam Adebayo may even get some time on LeBron. Um Duncan Robinson, I feel like, is a player who's just going to eat us alive because that's the type of player that typically (laughs) destroys the Lakers, even though he's struggling in this series. Uh, Him and Tyler Hero are just going to have a field day, I think. Yeah, and Drogic. Oh, Drogic is so crafty. I don't know what we're going to do. Oh, the Heat scare me a lot, actually, just because their versatility across, like, nine different guys seems so solid. Uh, they may not have like the top end talent that the Celtics do. And like when Tatum goes crazy, I think he's the youngest player to average, like youngest player to have multiple 25, 10, five games. But they're just, the Heat are so well balanced and built from guy one to guy nine. They're a team. Yeah. yeah. And then they're obviously coached very well with Eric Spolstra. Either way, though, both teams present a problem that the Lakers haven't yet faced in these playoffs. They've gotten a little bit of it having to deal with a guy like Jeremy Grant and Michael Porter Jr. But when it comes to high-level, high-octane wings, especially offensively, I think both these teams present us with that problem that we've never had of guys who can beat you off the dribble, like Jimmy Butler's a wing, right? Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder are wings, but not to the extent that, you know, Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are, but historically, and especially in this season, the Lakers have struggled against these types of wing players who can actually play offense. And because they have the size, but they're also taking beating you off the dribble, Pascal Siakam, you know, is an, another example. But this is going to be a series that I think Kyle Kuzma really needs to step up in. Um, he did well against Jason Tatum in the regular season, but this is the playoffs and it's a different beast. And Tatum's been going insane in Supernova. Same with Jalen Brown. 
I'm assuming LeBron James is probably going to take up the mantle to guard one of those guys. Kemba Walker, I feel like we can face. And if we play the Celtics, it's probably going to be uh, an Anthony Davis sort of game. You know, you're dealing with Tice and Ennis Cantor. He's really going to have to impose himself once again, which I don't think is going to be a problem. But right now, I'll say matchup-wise, the Celtics probably are the better matchup and the better narrative right now. Crossing my fingers. Um, But if we're facing the Heat, you know, we have that LeBron revenge thing going in our favor. And again, there's not someone who can guard Anthony Davis, although Bam is no slouch. Much better than what the Celtics have, right? So, I mean, both teams present concerns. Both teams are very good and just have these sorts of scoring wings that we haven't yet faced that could prove to be a problem. And the Lakers are going to have to bring the best out of each of their role players into this one. And we've started to see sprinklings here and there of everybody firing on all cylinders, but we're going to need playoff Braun and playoff AD, the ones that are playing like 40 plus minutes probably to really take the reins and have guys like Kyle Kuzma, KCP, Alex Caruso continue to step up and obviously playoff Rondo to continue to just take hold of our bench. Um, any other thoughts on on how the potential matchups look up between either the Celtics or Heat or just anything you want else you want to throw out? No, I, I think you covered it all. Is it'll be um, a tough series, like you said, the probably the toughest that we've faced all playoffs. Uh, but this is it, you know. I think if you don't really need any more motivation, it's yeah, this is the end game. So this um, is the end game. <laughs> I, I like where I like our matchups either way. You know, I, I would, I would go in with LeBron and AD at any time, any day, sure. any game. You know, that's the best duo, regardless whether we play um, the Boston Celtics or the Miami Heat. So I'm pumped. I'm ready. I think Vogel's going to have a game plan that the the team can buy into. So I, mm-hmm. I feel like we're in a good position. Let's go. I'm ready. The Lakers are back in the finals. Whether it's the Heat or the Celtics, it's going to be exciting, a bubble or not. Uh, Yeah, that's the only sad part, right? You wish this was in front of fans to see this for the first year. But hopefully, you know, if we win this one, that'll give them even more motivation next year to, not that this wasn't a real one, but, you know, to win it with fans. So uh, everything is trending the right direction. This Lakers season has been a lot of fun. Someone mentioned it on Twitter but this is a year from media day last year and this season's still going because That's of all insane. the the wackiness <laughs> but you know what we we've gone this far we cannot let the rope slip and uh seeing how lebron james responded last night definitely gives me a lot of confidence so with that said thank you guys for listening please follow us on twitter at lakers legacy pod please also rate and review us five stars on itunes because we're freaking in the nba finals just do it And with that said, we'll catch you guys next time. Andy, thank you for joining me, and uh, see you in the finals. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Let's go, Lakers! Let's go. (laughs) Whatever that was that Anthony Davis did. I think it's cocaine, but Cocaine, I I like it. That's what we'll need (laughs) in the NBA finals, baby. Let's go. See ya. 